0: John Greenleaf Whittier wrote this. He said, For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these it might have been. Truth is, sin destroys and it has consequences. Think about a leader, someone who's in a place of responsibility, maybe being used by God, but then there's sin, some kind of thing. He loses influence over family and over friends. Or what about the young girl who's looking forward to going off to college and formals and homecomings, and she gets pregnant? And plans are changed. Or what about the star athlete, the guy or the entertainer who's on top of the world? And then he gets into drugs. He gets into this. And before you know it, uh, what might have been? Or the college student who makes good grades, wanting a good job, wants to get in grad school, but cheats on some kind of test and is kicked out of school. What might have been? Whether it's a business person who takes money from the company and loses their job in jail, what might have been? Sin destroys. Sin destroys. It costs cost you more, takes you further than you could imagine. It costs you more. You think it's no big deal. It don't matter. It won't matter. It costs you more than you think it will. It takes you further than you think it will. You say, this is just one time, or this is this, this, or it won't matter. Or nobody really cares. Or nobody will ever know. And it takes you further, and it's further than you can imagine. It's a fallen world, controlled by the devil, affecting our flesh. It's there what might have been. This morning we're bringing to a close the study of temptation and we realize that we're pulled to do wrong and go contrary to the truths of the Bible and the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8 that we have the flesh inside it's the natural bent to sin and it never wants to please God in any way. The flesh is never going to please God and so if you rely on your flesh you will always go contrary to the scripture. That's what makes it so hard. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with temptation? Well, we're at the end of the study. What is temptation? Where does it come from? How do we deal with it? Well, temptation is the pull to do wrong, and everybody experiences this. From the moment we wake up to the time we go to bed, we are tempted, tempted to go wrong, tempted to go contrary to the Bible. Uh, Where does it come from? It comes from the world, the devil, and the flesh. And when we start thinking about it, we have... A, an angel, and we're going to do the study this fall. Hope you hope many of you want to take the class. It's angels and demons. It's going to be on Wednesday nights at six thirty, and we're going to look at this, this 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 invisible so-called battle. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, wolf, forces of darkness, spiritual beings in heavenly places. And so there is a spiritual being who controls this world system. He's called the God of this age. God has allowed him to control this system. That's why it's so bad. And remember what we saw in Second Thessalonians. It's not as bad as it what. It's not as bad as it could be. Who's holding back the evil? Who is? Holy Spirit is holding back the evil. One of these days when he takes the church out, he's going to stop holding back the evil and the world's going to be bad and it's going to be worse and worse and worse and there's going to be a man of sin come to power and God's going to allow this. But right now we live in a fallen world and it's not as bad as it could be, but it's pretty bad. And here's the truth. As long as we are in this mortal body, we will have this pull to sin and we will experience temptation. It's going to be there. And it could be as simple as saying I shouldn't have that second piece of pie to stealing, robbing, killing, sexual sins, anything you can name. It's all out there, and the pools are there. And if you say, and we're going to bring them up in just a minute, if you say there's some things I would never do, put you in the wrong place at the wrong time, you will do the wrong thing. We saw the thing about temptation, and we saw what happens. We saw there was a progression. It goes way back, and we've gone a lot of lessons. If you remember that, we see it, we want it, we do what? We take it, we hide it. The the seeing it, the temptation, and even wanting it, wanting to be, is not necessarily sin. It's when we act on it. It's when we take it, and we saw it in the life of David. We saw it in the life of Achan. We saw it in other people, Adam and Eve. They they saw it, they wanted it, they took it, they hid it. We did see Joseph, and we saw Jesus. Joseph, who, who didn't fail when the temptation came. We saw Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. And that's the, that's the, the maximum temptation anybody's ever experienced. And uh, so as long as we're in this, we can expect it, we can see it, we want it, we take it, and we hide it. That's the way we are. None of us, uh, listen, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that every one of us in this room sinned yesterday. Did we not? Okay, do you want that? You want to come up here and tell us where it was? None of no, everybody says, no, I don't really want to do that. Okay, because why? Because we, we do it, and then we want to hide it. Now, the only one, the, the, number one, the one you should never hide it from is who? Is God. He already knows it anyway. Listen, they, we, we're not fooling him. We're not fooling him. You remember when you were a kid, and you got in the bed, and you covered up because you were afraid, and you thought if they can't see, you know, if you can't see them, they can't see you. That's what you thought? Well, sometimes we think about God. We think, if I don't think about God, he's not thinking about me. No, he is. He knows everything. He knows everything. We've seen the provisions, which was the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the armor of God. And we spent some time going through those. And you may say, well, why do we do all that? Well, because it's important. The Word of God is alive and powerful. We need to memorize it. We need to know it. We need to meditate on it. We need to apply it. The power of God is the Holy Spirit, God within us. The strength, we're going to see it even in this morning's passage, that in Christ we can do all things and apart from him we can do what? Absolutely nothing. That's exactly right. And then we saw the armor Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, the armor of God drawing near, putting on the armor of God. So I've got uh, several things just to talk about as we go through this this morning. And if we get through early, that's fine. If we don't, that's fine. I just want you to see this. These are some areas that base, this is kind of a summary. Here's what we know. First of all, recognize there's temptation in our lives. Recognize it. We live in a fallen world controlled by the devil. And our flesh and our old man is tempted and pulled to do wrong. This is natural within us. We are naturally sinners. We don't come into the world good. We come into the world fallen. We don't teach our children to do wrong. We teach our children to do what? To do right because they automatically do wrong. All you have to do is just look at them. They'll do wrong. We all do wrong. It's natural to sin. Look at and the temptation aspect. Recognize that temptation is there. Look at 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I told you to turn to chapter ten. Look again at First 1, uh, 1 Corinthians ten, verse thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. Temptation is common to us. That when you're tempted, just realize that other people have been tempted in the same way. Sometimes we think we're victims. Remember in this study, we said we are not victims. We're not victims. And when we say, you know, that this has happened to me, it's never happened to anybody else. Yes, it has. The temptations, the things that we experience in a fallen world, it's common to all. So recognize, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted in ways, and yet the truth is every human being is tempted in all these ways. Just expect it. Recognize that temptation comes. The second big point is to realize that temptation is periodic. It comes and goes. You remember what it said about Jesus? After he was baptized, he came up out of the water. Holy Spirit came down like a dove. So there's the Son, there's the Holy Spirit, and then the Father says, this is my beloved Son to whom I'm well pleased. And then it says the Holy Spirit basically told Jesus to go out into the wilderness. And he's out of the wilderness for 40 days. And the Bible and the the Gospels, and we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew in the fall, but it, it talks about that over 40 days, he didn't eat anything. And at a particular time, Satan came to him and tempted him in those three, big three areas, right? But if you remember, one of the gospels says that when Satan left, he left to come back at a more a better time. In other words, he's looking for another time to come back. And sometimes in our lives, we think, I'm doing pretty good. This didn't bother me, or that's not bothering me, or I'm okay with this. Okay, But then it's going to come back. It comes and goes. There are times when we may be tempted more than others. You think of Joseph. For a while, I thought Joseph was okay, but then it starts saying that almost every day, what happened? Potiphar's wife kept coming to him, kept coming to him. The devil said he would come back to Jesus at a better time. There may be times in our life. You know when the easiest time to be tempted to fall is? When you've had a great victory, when something big has happened, when something good has happened, when God's done something good. You think of Elijah. You remember Elijah? Elijah said, if God is God, worship God. If Baal is God, worship Baal. And they made the two big deals, you remember, the, the the altars. And he told them, to, and they jumped all around it, nothing happened. And he comes and says, pray. And the flames came down and burned it all up. And they killed the 400-something prophets of Baal and everything else. He had the greatest victory of all time. And then Jezebel says, if you hear here tomorrow, I'll kill you. And he ran off and wanted to die. It is easy after something big happens, something good happens, that you're tempted. It comes and goes. So be careful when you have a big victory, when something great happens, when things are going wonderful, you think. Be careful because that Satan said, I, I, I got you now. I guess a good chance to get you. The third thing is that we're capable of any sin. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me think I have the verse. Yeah, look at verse 12. He says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed that he does not fall. We are capable of anything. Put us in the wrong place at the wrong time. We will do the wrong thing. Now, that, that's true. That's true. Uh, Paul says that in my flesh dwells no good thing. Paul says that I found this principle. Here's the principle. In me, a person who wants to do good, in me is evil. That's what he said. So we're capable Of any sin. And if you said to yourself, I would never do this, or I would never do this, or I'd never do this, or I'd never do this, I'm sure that there are people all over the world that said, I thought I'd never do that, or I would have never thought I'd do that, or I can't believe I did that. And there's some things that if I said, Come up here and tell me some of the things you did, you say, I don't want to tell it because I can't believe I ever did it to begin with. Right? We're capable of anything. So take heed, lest you think you stand, you fall. Paul says, the things I want to do, I what? I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. So every one of us in this room are capable of anything. Let me, let me just say something about the church. The church is the body of Christ, and we positionally are righteous. Am I right? If I ask you, are, are any of you in this room, are you perfectly and righteous and holy? What do you say? Yes, you're righteous in God. He has given you his righteousness. Your position is in Christ. You've been raised up and seated in heavenly places with Christ. But what is your experience? Do you sin? Yes. And we so we're capable of any sin. Now let me just say this about the body. First of all, uh, positionally, we're all righteous in Christ. Experientially, we're all sinners. The church, the body of Christ, is made up of believers who love Jesus Christ, who want to grow, but we're all capable of anything. So we got to realize that we're here for each other. That's why God put us in the body of Christ. He says when one is happy, everybody's happy. When one messes up, everybody messes The idea is that we're in this thing together, and you're not by yourself. And some people say, when this person did something wrong, well, kick them out. Kick them out of what? We're all, who, who doesn't do something wrong? Now, there's certain things, and when you get to Matthew 18, and you can see certain things about church discipline and all that, but we're just talking about everyday life. We all mess up. We all need each other. We're all in this together. We all know that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just remember that. When you start seeing somebody mess up and you go, I can't believe they'd do that. Well, just look at yourself, because we could do the exact same thing. And we're all in this thing together trying to love one another. So take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. Here's the next thing, and this is great. God always provides a way out. Look at the verse again in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. Now, everybody's tempted, and nobody can say, I'm the only person ever tempted that way. No, it's common. It's common to all men. And God is Faithful. We're going to see those exact words in this passage this morning in Second Thessalonians chapter three. He says, God is Faithful. He's always faithful. What's he faithful to do? Well, whatever he says. What does he say here? God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now, he says that I will not allow a temptation to come into your life. He doesn't tempt you. He doesn't tempt you to do evil, but we're in a fallen world, and he allows this. He says, I will never allow a temptation to come into your life that is beyond what you can handle. He says, I will never allow you to be tempted where you say, I couldn't help it. There wasn't anything I could do. The truth is, you can't help it. He says, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But, here's the contrast, but with the temptation will provide the way God of escape also so that you'll be able to endure it. We don't have to fail. We are not victims. God says, whenever a temptation comes in your life, it's common to you. I will not allow a temptation that will be so beyond you that you'd say, there was nothing I could do. I'm going to provide a way out. So when we sin, when we fall, what should we say? I did it. I blew it. There was a way out. I might not even have looked for the way out. In fact, I probably said, I don't want a way out, right? So the bottom line is, God provides a way out. It's not our strength. It's God's strength. And so he says, he'll make a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. God does not want us to sin. Let me ask you a question. So if God doesn't want us to sin, why do we sin? Huh? Hmm? If God doesn't want us to sin, why do we sin? Because we choose to sin. Am I right? I mean, God can say, I don't want you to sin. You go, well, I'm still sinning. Right? It does. temptation is never, there's never look bad in one sense. It, it appeals to our lust, our flesh. And when we say lust to the flesh, it, everybody thinks lust to the flesh, and they always think lust of something sexual. But it could be anything that we strongly desire. Strongly desire. So, now, watch this. Guard our lives. I'm going to read something to you. This is in Proverbs 4. This is one of my favorite places. Listen to this. Proverbs 4, here's what he says. He says, guard our hearts. He says, watch over your hearts with all diligence, for from it it flows the springs of life. He says, be careful. Your heart is your inside. The heart is you, your inner being. He says, watch out. Be careful. Be careful what you allow to go in there, because... From it flows your life, it's what you become. And he says, This let me show you this. I'm going to read it to you. He says, Be careful what you say, be careful what you see, and be careful what you go. Listen to what he says He says, Put away any deceitful, put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put devious speech far from you. He says, Guard your heart, don't be saying a bunch of bad stuff. Then he says, be careful what you look at. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. He said, "Don't be looking around at the bad stuff." And then the third thing he says: Be careful where you go. He says, "Watch the path of your feet and all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right nor the left. Turn your foot from evil." And so Proverbs basically says: Be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you're saying. Be careful what you're looking at. Be careful where you're going. Be careful because you've got to guard yourself. Thinking and actions go together. What you put in your mind is going to result in your life. Whatever you put in your mind is what you're going to want to do. Think about that. You, how is your thinking? Are we thinking on the things of God? Or are we thinking on the things of the world? You remember Philippians 3? He says, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's right, think on these things. That's uh, Chapter 4, there's another place in chapter 3 where he talks about, think on the things that are above, Colossians. Think on the things that are above, not the things that are below. So how is your thinking? Are we thinking of the things of the world? And when I say think of the things of the world, I'm not saying, oh, I want to think about a football game. I want to think about baseball. We're not talking about that sort of thing. We're talking about the fallenness of the world and the things that pull us to do things wrong. Are you putting that in your brain? Are we putting the good things in our brain? Whatever is pure or lovely, good, think on these things. As those who have been raised up and seated with Christ, think like one who is seated in the heavenly places. That's who we're supposed to think about. And then what's going to happen? How's our actions? Because how you think, as a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. What comes out of us, what comes out of us is what you put in your brain is what's going to come out in your life. And that's why he says, guard your heart. Be careful what you're putting in your mind. Be careful what you're putting in your life. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you see, because that's going to come out in your life. And so what you got to do is get away from all this. You got to get away from all this. And when we do sin, what do we do? What do we do when we sin? What do we do? We confess it. We tell on ourselves. We say, I lied. We don't beat around the bush. We don't make excuses. We don't say, well, this is just the way I am. He says, I know that's the way you are. You don't have to tell me that's the way you are. And we say, well, I couldn't help it. He says, yes, I did. I provided a way out. You just didn't take it. So when we sin, we're not victims. We say to him, I did it. I blew it. You're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. Number six, take God's provisions. He has provided so that we don't have to fail. What are the provisions? The big three things that we saw, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the armor of God. The Word of God to know and apply, the Holy Spirit, God's power in and through us, and the armor of God so we can stand. We put on that armor of God and we stand strong. We're going to see that. It's amazing. But there's a lot of this in 2 Thessalonians this morning, in chapter 3. If you've read ahead, if you've already looked ahead, because you know what we're going to study, it's on our our thing that we hand out and stuff. It's chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 this morning. You may have read that already and looked at it. So as we bring to a close this, I want you to think about two aspects, okay? And how in the world do we deal with all of these things? Now, we've listed these six things. But here's kind of the bottom line. Be accountable. Now, you, accountable in several ways. Accountable to God. Because remember we said at one point, all sin is ultimately against God, and when we sin, we, sin, we fail. And so we're accountable to Him, and we recognize accountability, and we confess our sins, and we get back, and we stay in the fellowship with God. And anytime time you realize you've sinned, you're going to be tempted a lot, but temptation is not necessarily sin. But when you do sin, immediately be accountable to God in the sense of confessing it. But there's also this accountability with other believers. And you can be in a small group. Or you can get with a friend, somebody you trust, that you can be with them and say, help help hold me accountable in this area. Uh, I knew a group of guys that got together and they had like six questions and uh, they met weekly. And like the first question was, have I looked at something I wasn't supposed to look at? Have I done that? And they went through all the questions, and the last question was, have I lied about any of these other questions? Yeah, yeah. You know, that was the last one. And and sometimes being with a group of guys or a group of girls, group of ladies, that can help you do that. Sometimes it's, you just have one friend. Now let me just say this: when you open yourself up and you get a friend that you can talk to, better make sure that on the front end you both understand that what you say. Is just for y'all. You can't have a friend that you say, I'm really struggling with this, and then they go tell 10 people. That won't work. That won't work. You've got to have somebody you trust. You've got to have a small group that you trust. But the accountability is there. The accountability is the person that when you, when there's a, say there's a particular area, and that you're getting tempted, it may be that you call your friend and say, right now, I'm tempted to do this. And they'd say, well, come on over. Come over. I'll, I'll meet you somewhere. Well, Whatever. We had a friend in seminary. I, I had a friend in seminary. Uh, there was four of us that had a lot of classes together. Well, he, he, uh, he drove a bread truck um, in the mornings before class. That's how he made it through seminary. And in those days, he'd pull into places real early in the morning, and they'd put the bread in. And in those days, they had all the, the magazines out. They're not out now. And he would look at them. And he got where he couldn't stop looking at him, And so he told some of us. And so we said, well, you can't. You got to either change jobs or something. You got to go. You can't look at it. And then he got into where he was in Dallas, going to some places he wasn't supposed to go. And so a couple of the guys had it fixed that if he said, I'm tempted really to go there, they'd go get him. They'd go get him. And that's what you got to do. You got to be accountable. You got to be there. The second thing is to pray. Pray for each other. Pray, that, pray for each other in this room that we're going to stand strong, that as men and women, that we're going to make an impact for Christ and that we're all capable of anything. We know that. We're all going to be tempted. We live in a fallen world. We have the flesh, uh, that, that there's temptation coming every day. Sometimes we sin. We need to confess it and deal with it, that we're all there for each other. We know we're capable of any sin. We need to pray for each other that we'll stand strong in a fallen world and that we're here for each other that we're here for each other. We're not here to judge each other. We're here to love each other. Now, there's times that judgment comes, and judgment comes because of the Scripture. See, you're not the judge. Scripture's the judge. That's why the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. Because if you're going to be the judge, then you're going to get judged with the same judgment you judge. But the Scripture's actually the judge. So there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, you know, it's not right to lie. You're not the judge. The Bible's the judge there. So we're not here to judge each other. We're here to love each other so we can make it through it when we stand before Jesus Christ, what do we want to hear Him say? Well done, done, good and faithful servant. If we spend our lives falling all the time, it's going to be hard for Him to say, well done. So what we want to do is gain victory. And we gain victory as accountable. We gain victory as we pray for each other. We gain victory as we look at those six things. We gain victory as we think back on these lessons that we gave you with all the different things and the armor of God and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and all of those things. My prayer is that I'll, I'll have victory, you'll have victory, we'll gain victory so that we can stand strong and that one day when we hear our Savior, when we stand before him, he'll say, well done, well done. And when we say, he says, well done to us, we can say, grace of God.